Welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast. If you have the desire to be your own boss, create your own schedule, and become financially free while at the same time helping people in need, then you've come to the right place. At GroupHomeRiches.com, we teach people exactly like yourself how to get started in the group home business. And on this podcast, you're going to hear their stories firsthand. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Group Home Riches podcast. On today's episode, we are catching up with another one of our old, not older, but, you know, relatively just to catch up with one of our coaching clients, Katrina. Welcome. Thanks, Brandon. Before we get into all the detailed questions, like I said, I I have a couple of questions for you that is kind of a unique situation as far as the podcast goes. But before we get into that, why don't you tell the folks out there just a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're located, and then again, what made you find us? What made you even look into how to start a group home? Okay. I kind of got into the group home thing in a roundabout way. I started off looking into a residential assisted living, but to back up and give you some of my background, I'm a military brat. I have kind of an eclectic background. Uh, both my parents are military. I was born in California, but then right after that, I spent my elementary and middle school time in Germany. Then I moved to Texas as a teenager. So I do have ties to Texas. I live in Los Angeles, but my group homes are in San Antonio. I graduated high school in San Antonio. I went to uh, Prairie View A&M University, which is a historically black university right outside of Houston. Um, I studied merchandising there, and then I joined the Air Force, but I still was into merchandising, and I love fashion. I actually applied to fashion school while I was in Baghdad at the war, <laughs> so um, the Air Force was fun, but after dodging bombs for six months, I was like, all right, I'm good. It's time for something else, so I left the Air Force, and I moved to LA for fashion school. I worked in the fashion industry for a few years before I went back to working in the federal government as a civilian in Los Angeles, and then San Francisco, and now back to LA. And I'm currently an administrative officer for the government in LA. But group homes, as far as getting into the group home thing, I've been interested in real estate ever since I bought my first home when I was 21. Uh, I was stationed in San Antonio at the time when I was in the Air Force. And after that, I bought and sold several properties. Every time I moved, I would buy a house and then I would sell it because I was scared that I wouldn't get a renter and I'd be stuck with having to pay that mortgage out of pocket. So I always took that less scary route of cashing in on whatever the equity was at the time. And I would just unload that property. But then when I left Northern California, after I left San Francisco, that job there to move to LA to do a different government job, I decided at the last minute, I wasn't going to sell that house. I wanted to keep it. I wanted to rent it out, but I was scared. So I called a property manager. She came over within 30 minutes and she's like, oh, I can post this house for you and we can have it on the market. And if it doesn't go within a timeframe that's comfortable for you, then you can just sell it. And I said, okay. So she took the pictures, she posted online and I ended up getting a renter in like three days. So I started getting more comfortable with making risky decisions. And I started challenging myself and asking, like, what's an actual threat versus what's the boogeyman? You know, I wanted to be one of those people that takes risks. I actually used to work with a lady that would say, what are they going to do, take my birthday? (laughs) And I don't remember who said that, but 
it's one of my favorite things and it's always stuck with me. So anyway, once I, I did that, I rented out that property and moved to LA, I decided that I wanted to take more chances and I wanted to get more into real estate and have some passive income. So I started meeting with one of my friends, my good friend, Cherie. We developed this mastermind group and that came from that book, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it's, you know, when at least two minds meet together, a third mind is created. So we started this weekly accountability group. She had her goals. I had my goals of increasing my income. And I actually wanted to write a book of tips for women in the workplace. But during our mastermind conversations, I found out that Cherie's grandma had an assisted living. And I told her that my mom had an assisted living which I guess I kind of skipped over. My mom had an assisted living when we were in San Antonio. She was an army nurse and she retired from the army and she opened up an assisted living place. And I spent a lot of time there helping her with administrative tasks. And she eventually had health problems and she got out of the business. So after talking to Cherie during our mastermind, I decided that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do assisted living. So I went to a class on how to do a residential assisted living. It was a three-day class that I took in Arizona. And it was a good class. I was ready to execute. But then after I got out of the class, I found a place. I found an assisted living that was existing that I was going to buy in Arizona. And while I was under contract to buy that house, my sister in North Carolina had a stroke. So she was in the hospital for a couple of weeks and I decided to fly out there and check on her, check on her and her two teenage daughters. But while I was on the flight, my sister passed away. So when I landed in North Carolina and I asked the two girls, my nieces, what their plans were, they said, we're going home with you. (laughs) So that kind of changed things. And I had the intention of spending three days out in North Carolina but I ended up spending a lot more time than that out there. And uh, I returned home to California with my two nieces and my sister and an urn. So my life priorities changed and I decided that I needed to pull out of that deal to buy that assisted living and get into something later after taking a little break with turning into a mother and all that stuff and finding something else to get into that had less overhead. I wanted to get into something with, without caregivers and all that. So I talked to one of my friends from the assisted living class, and she's actually in the group home, Riches, the Gold Course Facebook group, Julianne. And Julianne told me about group home riches. So she was like, you know, you could still be helping people. You'd have less overhead. You don't have to hire any caregivers. So I bought the course. And after I bought the course, I said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So that's how I got into group homes. Beautiful. <laughs> so for <laughs> I jotted down a couple of questions for you that we'll probably come back to, but just right on that immediate note, just for the, let's say like the new listeners out there, maybe they're just like, we get a lot of people that if they kind of stumble upon group home riches, they're at the beginning of their journey. They might not be as far down it as you were when you were looking into ALFs and everything, can you explain the difference between the strategy that you were about to get into, right? You were almost close to closing on a property. You'd already done the conferences and kind of knew how to navigate that. Can you briefly explain the difference between like the assisted living facility strategy 
compared to what we typically talk about in the group homes, the group home riches? Stuff? Sure. So the group home riches model is unlicensed and you're providing housing, period. You're providing housing for people. Whereas the assisted living, you have caregivers on site who are passing out medications. You have somebody who's cooking and giving out the meals. You might provide transportation for the people. They pay more per bed generally, but it's a lot more work. It's a lot more overhead and you need to have staff to handle it. When my mom had her assisted living in San Antonio, she was there every day. She was handing out medication. She was the nurse. She was taking care of people all the time. And you're actually, you're helping people with activities of daily living. So you might have people who can't bathe themselves and you and your staff take care of that. Whereas in the group home riches model, you might have people who need help with activities of daily living. But if that's the case, then that's a third party that comes in and handles what those people need. You might have people who, I have people right now who have counselors who come in and people who have nurses who come in and give them their medication each day. But those people who come in to to take care of those needs don't work for me and I'm not responsible for paying them. Perfect. Great explanation. So when you were first getting into very, very like rewinding back to the ALF situation, were you looking into that strategy because you wanted to be kind of more hands-on and working with the tenants slash clients, or were you just going down that path because you thought like that's what you needed to do? I was just going down that path because I thought that's what I needed to do. I had no idea that there was this model with the group home riches course where I could just provide the housing and it's just so much easier. I only knew what I knew from seeing what my mom was doing when I was a teenager and she had her assisted living facility in San Antonio. That's all I knew. I I just didn't know that you could rent out a property at, you know, per bed or per room instead of renting out the whole property because I have a property in Northern California and I rent it out just as a single family home to a family, but I didn't know that I could have rented out each one of those bedrooms and made more money. Bingo. It's really just simple math. We'll kind of break that down a little in a little bit, but yeah, for the brand new listeners, maybe, you know, when you first heard that, when the Facebook group member told you about it, were you kind of like the light bulb went off or what was that like? I was skeptical, actually. Uh At first I was skeptical and I was thinking, no, that can't be right. You got (laughs) to have some kind of license. You know, (laughs) I started doing all kinds of research on it. I didn't believe that you could actually do that. And I have proof that you can do that. Not only can you do that, but the community loves it. I had at the last open house that I did, the constable for San Antonio came out and awarded me a coin for helping the community. And she knows that it's an unlicensed group home, you know, but it's, it's helping the community though. It's a need. Yeah. And it's, it is such a big need because there's so much uh, skepticism out there. And I asked you that because I went through the same thing when I first met Andy. I'm like, wait, so you're not a nurse. You don't have nurses or anything. You're just a real estate guy. He's like, yeah, I just rented by the rooms. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. right. So what happens to the people? How are they taken care of? He's like, I don't do it. It's just home health. I'm like, right. that is 
<laughs> it's yeah, it, that's and how you, I was. Yeah, and you come from a real estate background as well, just like me. And there's no you almost never hear about this on like bigger pockets or any of the other real estate podcasts right. or anything. So that's why, yeah, for the listeners out there that are skeptical, we get it. <laughs> but you know, go go through all the interviews. You'll see this is a very common theme. I'll kind of give I'll, I'll, I'll like kind of shorten it and put bookends on this, but there's two different strategies. One Katrina almost went down the assisted living facility strategy where yes, you're providing the housing, but you're also providing the services. So you're going to need to employ like nursing staff and you're going to need to go through all of that required, you know, certification, paperwork, et cetera, and licensing process to be able to do that. Yes, you can make a lot more money per home, but it does come with, you have to be providing those services. Whereas what Andy right. does, what a lot of our, our members do, what Katrina does now is basically on paper, you're basically just a landlord, right, Katrina? Right. I'm a yeah. landlord. That's it. That's all your company set up like. Only difference yep. is you, you're housing people either by the bed or by the room. If those people do need any services, like Katrina mentioned a couple of them, it's not just nursing, right? Some of the people may need counseling or caseworkers. You, you know, there's a number right. of different like services that you can be certified for. Those are all just going to be outsourced. And right. let's get into like the outsourcing for folks that, you know, maybe like they this is the first time they've even heard of that. So does that mean Katrina that you need to like go find the services for these people or like what's give, give the folks like a glimpse into mm -hmm. like a couple of real life no, examples so of your tenants. I've got an example. I work directly with several organizations in San Antonio organizations like Haven for hope, which is a shelter and they also provide services. And then there's also Center for Healthcare Services. These organizations will refer people to me and say, hey, this guy needs a place to live, but he does take medication and he has a nurse. So they've already assigned him a nurse. And then that nurse comes over to the house and provides him services. I've never had to go out and find someone, a service provider that they need. That is the responsibility of that person or their caseworker. They set that up and I just allow those third party people to come into the house and do whatever they need to do with that client. Bingo. That's about, you know, 95% of the time. That's how it works out. Or, you know, a hundred percent, if you want to set your business up like that. But, you know, this is why you'll constantly hear us tell if you're just starting out, Hey, the first thing we recommend you do, even if you don't have a house yet, which most of our people don't, hey, just pick up the phone and start calling these places up. Like, what was the place that you, you named, Katrina? Uh, Haven for Hope or Haven Center for, for Healthcare Services. Yeah, there's so many places like this that are working with demographics like this. And there's so many skeptical landlords out there <laughs> not, right. not providing the housing. You've mm -hmm. already mentioned it, which was like, I was sitting here floored. You've gotten an award from the city already. But yes. what's the response like when a landlord calls in and, and calls to get information and 
lets them know that you're interested in working with their clients? I was terrified at first to start making these phone calls. (laughs) I did not want to pick up the phone. I remember during our coaching call, you'd say, you better start smiling and dialing. (laughs) And I didn't want to do it, but I did. I picked up the phone and I called and I was so scared, but they are waiting on us to call them. They're so excited. When I call these people, they are so happy. Like, Oh my gosh, we've been looking for somebody like you. I have somebody. I've got this many people. Let me call you back. Can you send me a flyer? I'm going to post it. Actually, the Salvation Army Men's Shelter, I think they have, I might be getting them mixed up with somewhere else. I think they have 150 beds at their shelter and they're always full, completely full. They have to turn people away. So I called them. And they're like, yeah, we've got plenty of guys. And I got a bunch of guys from them for my first house. because Such, I a, sent them such a, a great organization. Yeah, Salvation yeah. Army. And again, Katrina's in San Antonio, but probably almost if you're out there in any you know metropolitan city in the United States, chances are Salvation Army is running a, a program similar to that. And yeah, this particular one, they were overseeing a shelter. What did you say? 150 beds? 150 beds, and they always have to turn people away because there's just too many people need a bed. Yeah, exactly. So, and a lot of these people have money. They're receiving money from the government, but it's not enough money to get them into an apartment, or they don't have the background to get themselves into an apartment. Exactly. We'll get into kind of like some details and systems that that we can have you put in place to kind of mitigate the things that can go wrong with that, right? But you right. highlight you highlight the point and why this is in why there's such a big, you know, demand for this and a lack of supply. So there's all this government money getting spent, either even SSI, SSDI. So I'm sure a lot of your tenants are on that or they're receiving, you know, assistance from the places that you're marketing to. But right. We've all, you know, Everyone out there, I'm sure, has applied for an apartment before. You have the typical restrictions, right? You need to have three times the rent amount, good credit, good rental history, et cetera. So that's why there's so, so many people out there that need this type of housing and why the typical response is what Katrina described. It's a very typically a warm welcome when you do get in touch with the right people. Technically, you're doing marketing, but Katrina, when you finally did pick up the phone, smile and dial, what would, <laughs> who was the salesperson? What did it feel like? They, did it feel like you needed to sell like the people? Or? Were, <laughs> I thought that I was going to have to be this salesperson when I, uh-huh. when I called them. And they started selling themselves. <laughs> like, will you work with us if we've got this person? And can he do this? And can we this and that? And they're trying to sell me on their clients. It was great. Do you, you see why we have you do that first, right? Right. Yep. You can <laughs> yeah. see what that need is. Yep. Once you do that, I mean, that's pretty much, obviously, you need to get your head wrapped around like the main points of the business model, get your questions asked. There are some systems that you need, you do, well, we recommend you place to kind of help you manage these things. But after that, Mm -hmm. it's really just about establishing those connections, getting referral sources, building up the waiting list, and then just finding the real estate to match. So pretty simple business, not easy, but simple. 
and we'll um we'll get into a little more details on that but as you mentioned you have a very eclectic story <laughs> so i kind of wanted to <laughs> yes to, re- all over to rewind on a couple of things so you actually worked at an alf like a, a family alf at one point yes so i was in high school and my mom had this assisted living facility for schizophrenics and she was a nurse and she enjoyed working with mentally ill people so i spent a lot of time over there and i would see how she was running the business and I mean, she was doing everything. I was cooking, cleaning, there was taking care of the people. She also had staff who was helping with the bathing. It was a lot of work. I would help her with the administrative paperwork, but I thought it was honorable though. And I, I liked what she was doing when I looked at the figures that she was bringing in. I also liked that. So I thought, okay, I think that's what I'm going to go into, assisted living. But I never wanted to work in the business. I only wanted to work on it. I did not want to be there on site. I didn't want to be doing what my mom was doing. And my mother, I, we didn't get into getting my first property yet, but my mother is of the old school mindset that you have to be on site to have a business. And I have never wanted to do that. So that's why I was looking into different ways of running the business without having to be there physically working on it every day. Right. And then you, you also had kind of the, like the real estate, passion or desire to do that right so did it just kind of seem like the perfect business for that right especially with the background right you know you saw that they work you saw the numbers which are astronomical by the way even with the ale even ours where we you're not even charging for the services they're off the charts alfs are are Mm -hmm. even more for anybody that is interested in alfs check out we recently did a, an interview with a friend of mine. His name is Yas that has run those. But the key for most people out there when they come to us is just to kind of understand the differences. Right. But you got it. So when did you get into real estate and what made you want to do that? Was it just kind of personal? You like started to buy the properties and then realized there were advantages? Or did you... Yeah. Like, yeah, what it, was that it like? It was just for me. So when I joined the Air Force, my first duty station was actually in San Antonio. I was trying to go anywhere but San Antonio because that's where I'd spent a lot of time already. But when I was stationed there, I was like, well, I'm going to buy a house because one of the benefits of being in the military is you can use that VA benefit to buy a house with 0% down. So I bought myself a house. But I always, whenever I'd move, I always kind of chicken out and say, instead of holding on to the property, I'd be afraid that I wouldn't get a renter. So I'd always sell it. I would buy a property and then sell it, buy a property, sell it. I've bought and sold several properties. And then finally, I'm not sure what changed my mind, but when I was in Northern California and I was moving back down to LA, I said, I'm not selling that house. I'm keeping it. And so I just called the property manager. I just took a risk and said, let's, let's see what happens. And in three days, It was renting out at more than what the mortgage was worth. So when that hit me, I said, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to rent out properties. I want to buy properties and rent them out for more than what the mortgage is to pocket some money. But we're talking about $200 was the profit. And I was excited about that $200. Then we haven't gotten into the financials yet for this, but this is way better than that $200. Yeah, well, We'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) 
when you came to us, roughly how many rental properties did you have? I just had the one. I had the one in Northern California. I had just moved myself back to LA, but I was considering buying another property in LA. Now, when I moved the first time from LA to Northern California, I had a property in Los Angeles and I sold it and I regretted it. Then I moved to Northern California, bought a house and almost sold it. And I said, nope, I'm going to keep it. So I kept it. And then I moved back to LA and I actually moved to my dream neighborhood in Redondo Beach. I was on the beach in an apartment and I was considering buying another house. And then I started going down that route with the assisted living. And I said, okay, I'm going to buy an assisted living first. Then I'm going to buy myself a primary residence. But then after my sister passed away, I got two kids. I pulled out of that deal. And then I needed to buy myself a house anyway, because I didn't have enough space for my new family. So I bought a house in Los Angeles. And then that's when my friend Julianne from the group told me about Group Home Riches. And I said, okay, I'm definitely doing this. But I didn't want to do it in California because the properties are so expensive here. I wanted to do it somewhere. And I always want to buy, even though you can definitely do this business without buying. You can rent. But I wanted to buy. So that's why I bought a house in Texas. Okay. And was there a really like thorough market research that went into that? Or were you just like, oh, I've owned San Antonio before. It's relatively cheap. Let's go there. So that's a funny story. I called my mom when I told her I pulled out of that deal, the deal to buy that assisted living in Arizona. I called my mom and I told her about how I had pulled out of this deal and I was almost going to go into assisted living just like her. And she said, well, too bad you're not in Texas because you could buy my old assisted living. Now, I had no idea that she still had that property in Texas. (laughs) So... (laughs) And I don't think anybody knew that she still had that property in Texas. Now, this property could have been a complete teardown. It was horrible. It was dilapidated. I'm talking like it was raining inside the house. The foundation was messed up, the roof. But she wanted market rate for it. She wanted to sell it to me. She never wanted to give anything. She wanted to sell it for a market value. So I helped her to, we had just had a big storm in San Antonio. So I told my mom, well, you know, some of these things, you need to file some insurance claims because we just had this huge storm. It's literally raining inside the house. So let me help you file some insurance claims. And then after we get insurance to fix the things that are damaged in the storm, then I will buy the house from you. So I did that. I bought my mom's old assisted living house, which is why I'm able to have so many beds in my first house because it's huge because she had it uh, built onto, she had additions twice. So the house is big enough to have 15 beds. That's right. It was like a six or seven bedroom or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah, it was. And I actually cashed out my retirement fund to pay for the renovations that were not covered by insurance, big ticket items like the roof foundation, the kitchen renovation, there was a tree that had actually fallen down and took down the fence and the neighbor's fence. It was horrible, but I cashed out. I know that's not a decision that everybody would make, but it was a decision for me because I made a conscious decision that my retirement is not in a 401k. It's in group homes. I made that decision. So I cashed it out and I just went for it. Yeah. And those are big money, big money items. Don't typically 
recommend newbies get into a big project like that but luckily you know it was your mom's property so there was some leniency there i'm sure it wasn't like you were on a really tight deadline or anything like that right how long was it vacant for oh well oh the other piece is when i bought the house for my mom when i flew out there to see the house there was a tenant who was in the house who had not been paying Okay. And how was, long was, was how long problem. was there a squatter in, in the property for? <laughs> there was right. There was a squatter. So I let's see. When did I get out there? I bought the house in the fall of 2020. So first, I took the gold course in July 2021, and then I bought the house in the fall of 2021. So as soon as I took the gold course, that's when I flew out to Texas. I saw that there was a squatter there. I saw the house was horrible. I helped my mom to evict this person. It was really easy. <laughs> Evicted that person. And then I helped her with the insurance claims. And then I bought the house in the fall of 2021. And I spent probably um, a good six months. No, I'd say four months. It was four months of renovations. And it was like huge renovations. These people were working every day on the house, new floor, roof foundation, everything, paint, every, all the junk had to be removed. It was huge, huge project. So about four mm -hmm. months. And then I opened in January, 2022. That's actually not yeah. that bad for a big renovation like that. I'm just kind of picturing it's a big house. The foundation was done. It's basically like you're a new, basically like a rebuild <laughs> if you're doing the foundation. Right. Yes. I, I pulled all the money I could pull from all my various accounts to buy that house and pay for the renovation. Cool. We'll get into kind of some like logistics here and details on that, but I just wanted to rewind a little bit. You caught my ear with something. A lot of people, when they you know get into business or real estate or something like that, there's often like a big like a game changer. So was Think and Grow Rich one of those things for you that like switch things up for yes. you and inspired I, you to kind of go down this path? It was Think and Grow Rich and the four-hour work week. A lot of people say that the book that changed their life is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but for me, it really yep. was Think and Grow Rich and the four-hour work week. Those books just completely changed my mindset. And I also started removing myself from people who didn't have a growth mindset. So I didn't want to associate with people who focused on their limitations. I've always been seen as someone who was kind of courageous, audacious, but I knew I had limitations and fears that were holding me back from my full potential. And so I made sure I removed myself from people who would bring me down so that I could have limitless success. Love it. I do that just kind of naturally at this point. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what were those like, did you have to go through big breakups with people or did you just kind of like let it, it fizzle was gradual. out? Yeah. yeah it, was, Good. it was gradual and it was kind of like once I, for example, when I was, I would mention to people, Hey, I'm kind of looking into this. It's by the way, I don't recommend anybody do what I did with my first property. That was the hardest thing I ever did. And it's, it, there's easier ways to get into this business. You don't need to buy a property that's falling down and rebuild. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. But when I was talking to my friend Sharia about possibly cashing out my retirement, she was like, oh, I've done that before. And she's very successful. She's extremely successful. 
So when I heard that, I was like, oh, this isn't that scary. But when I would mention that to other people who are scary people, they'd be like, oh, no, don't ever do that. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. So it was just, you know, changing the people that I was around. I want to be around people with a wealth mindset. And all you have to do is the math. When you do the math, you see that it's worth it. Did you get a lot of like naysayers when you told them, hey, I'm doing this group home thing? Like, oh, that's illegal. Like, you can't do that. Oh, yeah. I heard it's illegal. I heard the people are going to tear up your house. I heard people are going to be doing drugs there. Just all kinds of things. The city's going to shut you down. Just everything. Everything bad. That's a common one. So. Let's talk about the city reaction to your properties. I caught it. Maybe the listeners did too, but it's not like you're out there, like you're not doing something that's illegal. It's an unlicensed group home that doesn't mean shady or not up to code or doing illegal stuff. So you don't need to hide from the city or anything like that. Why don't you tell, just kind of rewind a Mm -hmm. little bit and (laughs) let the people know about not you know, not just the nonprofits and social service organizations, but the actual city of San Antonio. What has their reaction been to to your properties? They've loved it. So, like I said, the constable came over. That's like the equivalent of a sheriff came over to the open house, and because she heard about it through my father, because my father is into politics in San Antonio. He was a city councilman. Now he's a commissioner. But he mentioned it and I, I let him know, hey, I was because I was kind of scared too. I said, hey, you know, this is an unlicensed group home. I don't know if you want to be mentioning. He's like, oh, no, I'm going to tell everybody because that's just his <laughs> personality. So he's telling everybody. And she came over. I gave her a tour and of the first house. This was just a private tour. And I was a little bit scared that she was going to say something negative, but she was very happy. She was proud. She said that there's people who need this sort of transitional housing and that I'm doing a great thing for the community. So fast forward to this next house that I opened last month. She came, she showed up to the open house. And not only did she show up, she brought, there's these coins, like a challenge coin. For those of you who are military, you know what I'm talking about. But people who are military, politicians, they have a coin that can be made for their specific office, maybe with their name on it or something like that. And they're numbered. And it's like an award. And she presented me at the open house with an award for helping the community. And it was the first coin that she gave out for 2023. And I I thought that was so amazing because here I am with this unlicensed group home that I was kind of afraid to even market and talk about. And the community is happy that I have this. Unbelievable. But it kind of, for the you know, listeners out there, take a step back and think about it. So we operate in central Texas, a little little bit north of, of you. Austin is a good example of this. I don't know if you've traveled through Austin recently. Not recently, but yes, looks, I've been there. Looks pretty much like the Bay Area as far as the homeless situation. Uh-huh. They spend like, it, it's almost half a billion dollars on the problem. So all that's going to go to like the shelters and the nonprofits and things like that. And, you know, there's not a lot of quote real estate investors or landlords that are even open to this, right? There's an organization down in San Antonio, or I know that's one of the cities they operate in. It's called Endeavor. Have you heard of them? 
Yes, I have. They get like you, you, one, I think you gave me their information. Okay. <laughs> I think they get a little over a billion dollars, maybe not specifically for San Antonio, but that particular organization. So long story short, the government is it's obviously a problem in most, you know, major cities, and the government is spending a ton of money to try to solve this problem. So there is a gray area where it, when it comes to the legal stuff. Katrina, I'm sure you're familiar with the federal laws that we abide by. We won't get into the details on that. Worst case scenario, could like a local, you know, code compliance bureaucrat, you know, break those federal laws? Yeah, I mean, they could. But what does that look like? I mean, like they're spending all this money. Imagine like the city of San Antonio actually giving you problems, Katrina, and like, shutting down this big property that's providing housing to that people. That wouldn't look good for them. Right? Yeah. It, it would not it, look good for them. <laughs> it, it could happen. You know, rich neighbors could kind of get together and give you problems, but what does that look like? Do you follow basketball, NBA? No, I don't watch sports. Same. But do you know who, do you know who <laughs> Steph Curry is? Yes. Okay, so you, you know who he is. He's an example of, you might know them, the not in my backyard laws in California. Right. Yes. Have you heard about his recent story? No. So it's a good highlight of like the, the gray area that I'm, that I'm talking about. Could neighbors get together and say, hey, we don't like this house and the people that Katrina are and people like Katrina are housing. They could do that and it could be a pain. But. Google this for all the listeners out there, Steph Curry and low income housing. So he did do that with his neighbors, right? There was low income housing was going to get built near him or something like that. And he tried to get it shut down somehow using the not in my backyard laws. Hmm. Not good for his reputation. Yeah. It does not look good from a PR standpoint. So mm -hmm. Yeah, there is some gray area out there, like things like that could happen. But overall, in most areas, you're going to get the response that, well, maybe not. You may, we're not guaranteeing that you're going to get a medal here <laughs> from the city. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a best case scenario. But in, in general, I mean, it's a much needed service and it's typically a very warm welcome when you guys start to do this stuff out there in the community. Absolutely. Yeah. Just got to market. You got to let them know you exist. Yeah. You remember the first homework assignment we gave you, right? I don't. What was it? Make some it was, calls. That's it. Gather some contacts, yep. make at least one call before you move forward. <laughs> right. It's a that little was bit so of, hard for me to do. Yeah. It, but that's a, uh, you see why we make you do that, right? I mean, what would your business be like if you'd never picked up the phone and smiled and dialed? Right, exactly. Now I have no fear. Now I just call them. Because yep, I know big... that I'm, I'm providing them a service. They're waiting for me to call. They're hoping somebody would call them like me. Yeah, like worst case, imagine for you know the listeners out there, they don't take my advice. They go get a house. They do all the stuff that you did regarding the house, all that construction, all, you know, the, the money that you pumped into it, then what, what would it look like if you never 
picked up the phone or made connections, you'd have a nice empty house and no money coming in. Right. So right. Exactly. That's why we recommend you guys do that first. Make the connections. Obviously, you want to understand the systems and things like that. Like you want to be confident, you want to be knowledgeable. And then from there, it's you know, just filling up the beds, implementing stuff. I love the fact that you mentioned two of my favorite books, actually. So Think and Grow Rich was mine long time ago. Mm-hmm. Four hour work week was a little bit more recent. You might see those concepts sprinkled throughout the group home riches stuff. So yeah. It's not passive. It's not passive, right? I mean, compared to the it's ALF thing, it's definitely. To, it's, it's close to passive. Once, <laughs> well, I, I didn't mention I, I hired a property manager. So I hired an, an operations manager. Perfect. And once we get into the financials, you'll see that, you know, if, if I have the full bed, if all the beds full and you do that math, it's still bringing in a lot of money pretty yeah, passively, it's, except it's for the, the 30 perf- minutes week I spent on the phone with him. I love it. This is the perfect segue. So another person that got a lot of kind of flack and like negative, you know, naysayer stuff was Tim Ferriss, the author of the four hour work group. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with some of the, the pushback and like negative reviews and things that he got about that book? That it's just not possible. Yeah. And you, you, that, that few of hours. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of like, you know, the hustle culture, like business gurus kind of gave him a lot of flack. Like, you can't be a business owner and only work four hours per week, which they literally just looked at the title and didn't look into the book. Yeah. At all. But that book is a, is a great book for anybody that wants to get into any business. Katrina kind of highlighted Absolutely. like the different mindsets that you can have. You can work. You can work in a business and yeah, Katrina probably could work in the business and for like, you know, 80 hours per week, or you could work on the business developing systems to put into place. So the business can run without you. That's kind of the main point of the four hour work week. And also if you guys go through the gold course and our coaching program, or even like, even if you reach out to us, this is what we kind of preach to you guys to like chip away at working on the business, getting some systems to put in place. And luckily this business is one of those where, again, not easy, but it's kind of simple to get like a, a four hour work week type business rocking and rolling. It is. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. So going back to what you're saying about, you know, you use the gold course. I don't want to sound like I haven't been paid to say this, you know, but I just, I took the course and I did what it said. I didn't use my college education for any of this. What I did was I took the course and I did what it said. It's, it's not hard. I would wake up and I would take action though every day. I, I use a paper planner every night. I decide my next day what my top three action items are, what the rest of the tasks are. I do time blocking. I'm a heavy planner. So even when I have fun, I'm planning it out. It's on my planner. But I leave enough white space, you know, for luck in air quotes, you know, and serendipity. I have OCD, but I use it as a strength and not a weakness. But my point is, I, you don't have to be college educated or anything like that. You just follow what's in the gold course. And this is a very simple model. And going back to the time that I spend, so I kind of look at it in three ways because 
when it's status quo and all the beds are full, I literally spend 30 minutes a week on a call with my operations manager. If we need supplies, I order them online and I have them sent to him. So 30 minutes a week is what I spend on my business when all of my beds are full. But when it's peak season, so that's when I have multiple vacancies, it's time to fill the beds. And I do spend about two hours a day you know, checking emails, marketing, answering calls and things like that. And then the last segment is kind of like the surge period, meaning I have an open house event, which you don't have to do either in this business. That's just something above and beyond that I do. Um, but if I have like public engagements, I want to talk to a nonprofit or meet with them. That's me getting on a flight on a Wednesday and I'm working Thursday to Sunday nonstop. But I also get free labor from people. Like, for example, there's people in the Facebook group who will reach out to me. This has actually happened recently. Um, they'll reach out and say, hey, can I pick your brain for a little while? And I'm like, sure, meet me at the group home. So they meet me at the group home and they ask me tons of questions. I answer all their questions, but we're making beds, sweeping, we're taking out the trash, we're working at the business. So use all the resources that you have. Love it. So that was, that was a really realistic answer and very kind of comparable to a lot of businesses, it's, even if you do have the systems in place, which is why I don't like to say like, hey, get passive, earn passive income from group homes because not completely passive, right? But when things yeah, are when completely. things are rocking, like the beds are filled, you you don't have to do, you know, open houses or get the property ready or anything. It's you know, you're less than four hour work week. Definitely. And yeah. and it could be fully passive. Like if I didn't have dreams to build this exponentially into an empire, then I could just kind of sit back and I could just make sure that the beds are full and it is some work. It's not completely passive, but it's, it's close to passive. You could at least prove Tim Ferriss, right? Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then that's another good point. I mean, also keep in mind, Katrina is not just like sailing right now. She's scaling. So she's looking to grow this thing. And again, even in the beginning, it definitely wasn't passive, right? You're probably yelling at, that contractors all day long. Oh yeah. Little, it was, I was on a plane. On <laughs> yeah. Every two or three weeks I was on a plane going out there, looking at what they've done, talking to people. It was, it was a lot of work and I don't recommend doing the way I did for my first house. Yeah. It's usually something that usually are more like seasoned folks. They, they kind of end up falling into real estate investing, <laughs> but it's fine. Mm -hmm. it, it worked out for you. <laughs> and then on like the four hour work week thing and just like financials, you know, you could get into as many or as little details as you want. But okay. I always like to use the rental properties as a nice comparison. And you brought that up. So how much were you cash flowing on, on your rental properties? So my rental property, the one in Northern California, after I collect the rent, and I, I have a property management company. So I pay the property management company and I pay the mortgage on that house. I pocket $200 a month, 200. And then let's compare that to my first group home. So my first group home, like I said, has 15 beds. I charge 560 a month for each bed. So at full capacity, that's $8,400 a month gross. 
So, and the mortgage is 1800. So after, let's do this math. So the market rent for the first house is 2000 and my mortgage is 1800. So that would be $200 a month that I would be pocketing if it was just a regular single family rental. But because I have the group home going, it's 8,400 a month gross. Now we do have to subtract $1,000 for utilities, marketing, et cetera, and then subtract 1,500 for the property manager. And you, you know, the property management pay is something that you can negotiate if you hire a property manager. I only have one because I'm not physically in Texas, I'm in California. So then the second house has 13 beds. So at 560 a month, that's 7,280 gross income. And when you combine both the houses, so you combine that 8,400 with the 7,280, and then you subtract utilities, the operations manager pay, and the mortgages, that's net 6,680 a month. So if you do 6,680 a month, and you multiply that by 12 months in the year, that's more than $80,000 fairly passively a year. And that's with full capacity. So the beds are all full. Operations manager is getting paid in full because he gets paid based on occupancy. So if he's getting paid in full, I'm spending 30 minutes a week talking to him to make sure everything is good. That's $80,000 a month for a side hustle. I mean, $80,000 a year, excuse me. Mike drop. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody out there, when you were first kind of hearing about this, like working with the nonprofits, taking in people that might need case management, they might have issues, et cetera, et cetera. Why would you even want to do this? Well, one, you do help out the community, but two, you just heard a, an extremely thorough breakdown of the financial incentive on doing this. Right. And right let's keep it super conservative and let's just say like let's factor in like vacancies or you know big maintenance issues and take 70% you net maybe 50 to 60k but that's compare compare that's more that than some to people make in their regular 40 hour a week job correct and then if you factor in that the hourly time spent on it it's off the charts you're also benefiting from all the advantages that you wanted to benefit from with real estate before, right? Right. And factor in if those were rental income, rental properties, it's maybe $5,000 per year. Did I do that right? I would have to have several rental properties, so many rental properties to bring in this much money. That 8400 a month for the one house gross, I don't even know how to do that math. You know, $200 a pop for a rental property usually. Yeah. And yeah. I'm talking 8400 a month. This is why we don't even advertise like the income and the ROI and stuff like that that much. Because you come from the real, real estate background, meetup groups, networking, I'm sure. If right. they were to see, hey, get a... I don't even know what the ROI is on that, but it's off the charts. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. maybe a hundred percent cash on cash right. return. Get a hundred percent ROI by offering affordable housing through group homes. Right. We would we would be laughed out of the room <laughs> or the forum. Right. It just sounds too good to be true. <laughs> but right. 
But yeah, yeah, Katrina is just another, you know, walking testimony to this, that it does work, that you can do it. And this is also, it's kind of just the beginning. So this is property number two. You said you want it to be an empire. Why don't we talk about that? What's the future look like? Okay. So I want to, for this year, one of my goals is to maintain at least 80% occupancy at all times. So that's something that I'm going to be working on now. I just opened a house last month. So I'm working on, I'm in service mode. I'm working on filling those beds. But for the next few years, I'd like to open one house per year until I feel really comfortable, like extremely comfortable with my retirement strategy. And the future that I'm manifesting is to house as many people as possible. I'd probably hire and train some property managers who report to my operations manager I'm all about systems and strategic planning. I also want to expand outside of San Antonio. Maybe I will have some uh, properties in Los Angeles and across the nation. And then I have a kind of a personal goal for my journey into this group home entrepreneurship to have me reach a level of affluence that I would never be able to get with a W-2 job. Love it. We didn't rehearse this or anything. This is just kind of a test. You can answer it however you want. But you mentioned you don't have to purchase the property. You don't have to go find an off-market property and like fix it up for this thing to cash flow, right? Right, right. If I were, I if I were somebody, if I were somebody that wanted to get into this business, wanted to be the operator, but I didn't have the funds to even rent a property, if I were to approach you, Katrina, and say, "Hey, Katrina, I'm in San Antonio as well, or just one of your target areas," let's say. I've been doing the networking myself. I have, you know, a contract with this nonprofit. I have a couple people on my wait list. I have all the systems in place. So I understand everything from the gold course. I'm willing to do all the operations for you. I'm just looking to partner with somebody and use a couple properties to operate out of, I'm willing to negotiate on, you know, the rent or split percentage of the income. Just looking for homes to operate out of. Would you be interested in partnering with someone like that? I would be, yes. So I actually just started working with investors just on the side. I, now that's something I'm not, um, I don't have much experience with, but I like it. So I had a friend of mine who wanted to invest in my business and I just came up with the terms. We agreed to the terms and I like it. It's really easy. I just have it on auto pay. So send the money to them. But I would definitely be interested in that because, like I said, I'm looking to expand. So I need help. I, I need help Love with it. operations on the ground because I don't have any plans of leaving California. A lot of people are like, move, move, go back and go to Texas. Um, <laughs> I love going to Texas all the time, but I love California. I, it, I realize it's an extremely high cost of living state. It, if I lived in Florida or Texas, I would have quit my day job already. But once I get that boat close enough to the dock, I am going to jump. But right mm -hmm. now, the income from the group home doesn't replace my W-2 income. So it just supplements. But until it does, I'm growing and growing. And eventually, I will quit my day job. But yes, short answer, yes, I would be interested in partnering with people. Because I, I just want to grow. I want to grow. I'll, I'll get properties however I can get properties. I've got five right now. Two of them are group homes. The rest are not, but definitely interested in building that empire. Perfect. 
So I wanted to do that live on the spot role play just to show folks out there that maybe they're just starting out or or they don't have the funds to start, right? They don't have a property. They don't have the resources to get it. If you approach people confidently like that and you do what I said, you notice like, hey, I've already done the marketing. I have the connections. It's not going to be a hassle to Katrina, right? She doesn't need to train anybody like that. And it takes right. absolutely zero investment to get to the point where you can confidently say what I just said to Katrina. Yeah. It just takes hustle. You gotta, yeah. You got to, yeah, hustle, have confidence, put in the work. When people put in the work, then other people want to help you. You know, don't work in a vacuum. Like people, for example, when I was having my open houses, people showed up to help me with their, their spouses, their kids, the food, because I said I needed some help and they saw that I was hustling. They saw that I was making moves. Uh, once my dad saw that I was putting in work, he wanted to put in work. He started receiving things. I would get dishes sent to his house, you know, things that I needed for the house from like Walmart or Amazon, wherever. And he would receive and catalog everything that I ordered because I was putting in work. Love it. And on the flip side of things, I didn't even know this, but you essentially, you know, you weren't pitching a landlord that you wanted to rent from them or, or maybe you were, but you kind of did the same thing. Like you started pitching this idea to investors to scale. Yes, I did. Yep. I started friends of mine who I know who are sitting on money, don't know what to do with it. I started telling them about the group home thing. And one of them was like, Hey, I'll give you some money. And I said, okay, here's the terms. I had no idea what I was doing. I love <laughs> it. I <was> online <laughs> and I looked up an investment calculator. I'm like, okay, if he gives me 42,000 and it's 8% interest or whatever, you know, and I sent him how much he would get every month and yeah. And I used part of that money for a down payment on this next house. Yeah. It's about, I mean, at the end of the day, you're just looking for people prospecting that you could bring value to. So someone like that, that just has cash sitting in the bank or somewhere else, not getting a good return. If you can get them a bigger return on their money, boom, you just found a capital partner. Right. And just another kind of one of the many documents and guides in the gold course is how to speak with landlords and how to find a capital partner. I'm sure your friend that invested with you probably had like similar questions that you had when you were beginning, right? Did they ask you like about the business or anything like that? Or were they just a little bit, a little bit about the business, but we had worked together before. So they were just confident. They're like, yeah, just here you go. Yep. Just send me my money every month. They weren't really that interested in what exactly goes into the business, but just wanted to see that it was growing. Yeah. That's where the, that's where true confidence comes from. It's not like being able to say something fancy. It's about, Hey, this is what I've done. Look at the numbers. Right. Right. Which, yep. If you're not to that point, get to that point, start making the calls. You just heard how Katrina, you don't need our coaching. You could just do, you could do, you don't need the gold course. You could do what we just said is the first step right now. Go find some nonprofits, call them. Hey, I'm interested in getting into this business of providing housing. Can you tell me more about your blah, blah, blah program? That's all Katrina. We did not tell Katrina 
to go get a big six bedroom property mm-hmm. and rehab it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that first house was the hardest one. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna and then I had to the convince my mom to sell me the property because she she was like, No, you have to be here on site and you know, that kind of thing. And I said, No, I don't have to be there. Just trust me, trust me. So I showed her, I had to actually show her the gold course and how you can systems in place and things like that. And, and this is me buying at market rent. So, I mean, market rate. So it's not like I was getting a deal on it, <laughs> but that's just how she is. Cool. And yeah, that's uh, when you are scaling, when you are growing, you can wash and repeat that. That's a whole other like strategy, but just looking for off market properties. You've kind of already done it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's ways to do that as well, but that's a whole other podcast. Yes, I'm ready for that one. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> e- email, I'll shoot you an email, actually, like give you some ways to at least some pointers where to start with that. But yeah, that's if you can find if you could do the stuff like the wholesalers do what me and Andy do, you know, find properties at a discount. Uh, you have that instant equity already. And then you're running like a, a business like this that works even if you're renting from somebody, right? Imagine if you get the, have the properties at a discount and everything like that. Their right. ROIs are just, that's why I always like to ask Andy, hey, what's your ROI on the group homes? And he's just chuckles. He's like, they're off the charts. Right, he's not doing that calculation. <laughs> have, you heard, have you heard how he calculates deals? He said that if he has to do the, the math, then it's not a good deal. Yep. <laughs> I, love <that. laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's one of like the best real estate advice I've ever heard. Right. But again, it's uh levels to it. Step-by-step, step, right? First step, mm-hmm. always smiling and dialing is what I recommend. But, um, right. And I, I love the story. Absolutely crushing it. I wanted to, we won't get into it in like full details now, but just for, for myself and the people out there kind of wondering what were some of the challenges that you faced by, you know, basically you're doing this remote for the most part, you're physically in California. The homes are in San Antonio. What were some of the challenges you faced with that? And what did you, what were some of the things and systems you put in place to kind of alleviate those challenges? So in the beginning, when I bought the property, I was flying out there probably every three weeks. And I was having FaceTime calls with the contractors to you know, follow up on what was going on with the construction. And then once I, um, the house was done and it was time to fill the house, I went out there again, probably every, sometimes it was every two weeks, sometimes it was every three weeks. I had an open house event and I would, every time I would fly out, I would have appointments scheduled to meet with people who wanted to do tours of the house and we would do the intake form, the questionnaire, and get them set up with my tenant management system so they could pay online. And it was challenging because I have a day job. I'm very busy already in my day job. And then about every three weeks, I was flying out to San Antonio and spending like three days to a week there doing tours and getting people into beds. But I knew that there was an end to that. I knew that it wasn't going to always be challenging because I had a plan once I started making enough money that I was going to hire an operations manager. So I took the course in July, 2021. 
I bought the house in the fall of 21. And then in July, 2022, when all the beds were, well, all the beds were full before that, but I wanted to take some time. In July, 2022, that's when I hired my operations manager. And actually how I found him, people always ask me that, how did you find your operations manager? I went on um, Facebook and I posted that I was looking for an operations manager. I posted it to the Gold Course page. I posted it to my personal page and in all of the groups that I belong to. There are different roommates and groups where people are looking for an apartment or room share and things like that. So I post it to all the groups. And one of the administrators of one of the groups reached out to me directly in a DM and asked me for more information. He asked me for like, what exactly are the duties and this and that. And so I sent it to him and I said, Hey, do you know somebody who would be interested in this? And he said, yeah, I think I know somebody. It's me. (laughs) So he was the the administrator (laughs) of one of the Facebook groups for people looking for roommates and he's into real estate. So I flew out there. I had an interview with him and a couple other people and I hired him. So that's how I, I got my operations manager was through Facebook. But once I got that operations manager, things got so much simpler after that because he was doing everything. Everything that I had been doing, like, oh, we need we need some toilet paper, we need paper towels, we need some cleanser. This person did that, you know, monitoring the cameras. I have cameras in all of the common areas. So watching the cameras, so and so said this to me and, and I don't like it. You know, dealing with all these somebody took my red cup. Now, all those issues I was dealing with, and now I didn't have to deal with any of those because I had the operations manager, but I am paying for that peace of mind. Worth it? Yeah, it's definitely worth it. I was, you know, before before I hired him, like I said, I was getting on that plane every three weeks or so, check my house, do intake with tenants, meeting with organizations. Now, he does all that tactical and administrative work, and I work on all of the bigger strategic tasks that move the business forward. And another thing that the business, having this business has allowed me to do is fly business class. And I know that that's kind of a small thing, but it's not to me. I've always wanted to be able to fly like first class, business class, but I used to look at it as a luxury, but now I actually look at it as a necessity because I'm so busy in life with my day job. And I want to say that to get people to switch their mindset to an entrepreneur 10X mindset because it's hard to, I'm on that plane for four hours going from LA to San Antonio. So that's four hours of uninterrupted time that I can take full advantage of. So it's hard to sit in like a middle coach seat with your elbows pinned to your waist, trying to send a marketing email to a thousand people. So I do business class, which is just a perk of being able to bring in this much money from a business is that when I fly, I fly first class. And I can work the entire flight. The private jet is next. It's that's next. Private jet is definitely next. <laughs> I was just looking at them. <laughs> Going through all the lines and things like that is just like infuriating for me and motivating at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's the next level. Yep. <laughs> hey, Jetly. Have you heard of Jetly? No. Oh, Jetly is where it's private jet, but you don't have to have it yourself, but you just Uh, like Uber for Uber for jets. Exactly. It's Uber for jets. Yep. That's next. Let me get my, my fourth house open. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'll start, uh, talking about like, uh, real estate 
investing stuff. That's probably the next level for you. You have the systems, you Absolutely. got the marketing I'm, stuff down. We'll I'm point excited. you in the right direction there. Yeah, that's that's Thank cool. You. you got everyone heard like the numbers and stuff like that. But folks, this is just the first step just starting out basically. <laughs> so right. Man, awesome, awesome story to hear. Love it. We'll have to do a part two here soon. Um, yeah. you know, a couple quarters from now to hear what you've been doing. Folks, you got a whole bunch of stuff. Go back and rewind through this. You got some financials. You broke down like the legal stuff and you got a bunch of good like mindset stuff to kind of marinate on some good book recommendations as well. Yeah. Katrina, thank you so much for joining us. For the folks thank that want to reach out to you with questions or anything like that, mm -hmm. where can they get a hold of you? Okay. For those of you who are in the Gold Course, the closed Facebook group, I'm on there. My name on there is Kat Damiani. But you could also, anybody could email me at info at roundtableliving.com. My uh, website is roundtableliving.com. And you can email me at info at roundtableliving.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as Roundtable Living. Perfect. And folks, you've kind of heard us mention a couple different products and things like that. If you are not on the mailing list or a gold course member yet or anything like that, bare minimum, head to grouphomeriches.com, sign up for the free training material, subscribe to our podcast here, subscribe to YouTube. We have a ton of free content and a ton of, we have a free course that'll be emailed to you if you sign up for the mailing list. If it does sound like something that you want to move forward with, bare minimum, sign up for the gold course. At the time of recording, it's only 199 bucks right now. And we pack that full of information. You literally have everything at your fingertips that you're going to need to get this business started. And we also have a private Facebook group as well for Gold Course members, by which you've kind of heard mentioned a couple times. You could honestly probably learn everything from that Facebook group at this point. You don't even need the Gold Course. Mm -hmm. but. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the best part about it, you get to network with people who are maybe they're just getting started out like you. They might be in your area. We're starting to see people organize meetups in their local areas, which is awesome. Love to hear that. And then you get to network and, and ask questions of uh, folks that gotten these things rocking and rolling like Katrina. So bare minimum, start at grouphomeriches.com, sign up, and uh, we look forward to having you come on here and tell your story like Katrina just did as well. So Katrina, thank you so much for joining us. Can't wait to see what the next, uh, you know, we heard about your first year. Can't wait to hear what happens in the next year and years to come. And uh, we look forward to doing a catch-up interview here with you very soon. Thank you so much, Brandon. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.